Well, first this evening, I just want to acknowledge that uh, this day, our pastor, Father Jared Johnson, celebrates uh, his eighth anniversary of ordination to the priesthood, starting his ninth year of priesthood. Um, of the many things, I'm in my last few weekends here at St. Mary's, as you know, and of the many things I'm going to miss about St. Mary's, Father Jared Johnson is one of them. He's a good pastor. I've benefited from his leadership, and he's a good friend, and I'm really grateful to him. So I just want you to know that today. Pray for him, reach out to him, um, let him know you're grateful, as I am, uh, for his leadership here. I also want to acknowledge that uh, this past weekend, last Friday, in the, in the Solemnity of the Sacred Heart, we ordained four new men to the priesthood for our diocese. Yeah, that's a good time to clap. <laughs> Four new men. It really, really, really is incredible. And, and one of those men, too, Father Nick Vetter, will be taking my place. He's taking my offices, my parking spot, my very bedroom. <laughs> uh, and coming to St. Mary's. But I, it was so good to see him uh, be ordained and to see him celebrate his first Mass yesterday. And just to know that uh, how, well, how well he's going to fit in here and how much you'll like him and enjoy him. Um, he's just a ton of fun, and uh, I just look forward to that very much. So pray for him as well. Last thing I just want to say about that, that's, it's an incredible thing. Uh, four new men, four new men ordained priests for our diocese. We only have, I don't want to get too much in the weeds, I guess, but I think we only have like something like 58 priests in our whole diocese, something like that. We ordained four this past week. In the last four years, we've ordained something like 10 <laughs> And there's, and there's just like a whole pipeline coming up, you know. I, it's kind of exciting for me. I'm becoming like the elder statesman, you know, <laughs> in short order. Uh, but the equality of these guys, it's just, it's just really incredible. And I want to steal from uh, many of, of what other priests have said this weekend um, and that what the men who were ordained themselves said this weekend and just acknowledge the fact that that thing that's happening those vocations and, and those men who are ordained as priests this weekend, it doesn't say so much about them personally. And I know it's, it's true in my own life too, my own vocation to the priesthood. It's not so much about them personally. It, it says a tremendous amount about family life generously lived. That's what the priesthood is the fruit of, family life generously lived. And so it's a credit, not to the men themselves so much, but it's a credit to you, to you, and to our diocese and the parishes and our families. And so thank you. And keep praying for these priests and keep praying for these good men. As I read Jesus' words in the gospel this evening, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, the smallest of all seeds, but grows into an enormous shrub in which birds can come and nest. It reminds me of the story of, of, of this guy, this historical figure, this man. This man was originally named John, and he was born while his dad was away on a business trip. When his dad returned, his dad's name was Peter. He came back and he renamed, renamed his son because he didn't like the name John. He renamed him basically Frenchie because of his love of France and his love of his mother who was from France. Frenchie grew up a wildly popular kid in a well-to-do family. He had a group of friends that were always around him. 
They loved this little group. They loved and copied the songs and the performances of the great entertainers of the day. And this little group were known in their little town for their wild times and their wild parties they had together. Frenchie's greatest ambition, he was extremely worldly. And so his greatest ambition was a life of notoriety and fame and glory. And so he pursued one of the best ways to get notoriety and fame and glory in his own time. He joined the war effort against a rival town. It didn't go well for him. He was captured and spent a year as a prisoner of war, but he didn't lose his enthusiasm. And he didn't try, stop trying to get that worldly glory, that worldly credit and fame. And so he tried again and spent a bunch of his dad's money on his little military career, and he went off to war again. And again, he was stopped. He was forced to return home without ever engaging in a single battle. And the man who loved to be the center of attention and to be liked was now mocked and called a coward by his village. And he was raged at by his father for wasting all this money on this foolish military path. The man that I am describing, of course, is it's St. Francis of Assisi. I call him Frenchie because that's what his name basically means. His dad invented the name. There was no one named Francis before St. Francis. Uh, his dad invented the name, as I said, because of his love of France. He called him my little French man, Frenchie. We might not recognize him in that story, in that description, because St. Francis, unfortunately, has largely been domesticated into someone he was not, a porcelain figure or a porcelain model of holiness that we just set at the shelf way up high and look at, unreal and unhuman. That's not who he was. By any measure, this man, St. Francis, was completely incapable of any significant contribution to the church. He was so full of worldly desires and worldly loves. He was incapable of contributing to anything spiritual, anything outside of himself, let alone changing the course of church history, which of course St. Francis did, and I would love to jump into that full with both feet, but that's another homily. You and I might hear the beginning of St. Francis's life and think, there's not a lot to work with there. At least not if you're interested in this supernatural organization dedicated to the preaching of the gospel and to holiness and to, and to preaching Jesus Christ, which the church is. But in the heart and mind of God, this incredibly imperfect and worldly man, in the heart and mind of God, he sees that and he says, perfect. I can work with that. It turns out that's a pattern in the history of the church. Some of the saints who have impacted the church the most, you can, you can, you can discern the same thing going on. People with imperfect lives and imperfect characters. Think of John Paul II. John Paul II was born an extremely poor orphan, and he was born into this country that was dominated by a tyrannical government, a tyrannical communist government, and he grows up to be the very thing that facilitates the fall of that government, Soviet Russia. 
John Paul II obviously also was responsible for a, a, an enormous correction in the history of the church. Catherine of Siena, her parents absolutely like totally and vehemently opposed her choice of a religious life and her refusal to get married. Catherine of Siena was unconnected and unpopular in her own village and she ended up actually like going to the Pope, pointing at him and like bossing him around and he listened. And she ended up becoming a doctor of the church. Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati, he grew up in an atheist house in which religion was not discussed and religious practices discouraged. And by the time of his death, when he was 24, thousands and thousands came to his funeral because of the ways that he had impacted their lives. And I could go on and on and on. The takeaway, I think, for us, and this is what I'm driving at, the takeaway for us is that the imperfections of our character and the imperfections of our lives should not be a source of discouragement for us. Actually, the opposite. They should be a source of confidence for us because our imperfections to God, our imperfections in our lives and in our character to God mean I have a place to work. Good, I, you actually need me. If you were perfect, you wouldn't need me. But because your life is messy, good. I can work with that. I have something to do there. St. Paul has this very attitude when he says, I boast of my sufferings. I brag about them. He says, I boast of my imperfections, for it is there that God can be strong. If you and I understand the heart and mind of God, not our worldly perspective and how history works, but if you and I understand the heart and the mind of God, the imperfections of our lives can be sources of confidence for us. It can make us confident that God can use even our imperfect little selves to do something marvelous for the church. And so this week, to bring those imperfections and those messiness places to God in prayer and offer, to them, offer them to him in faith.